Our scripture for today comes from 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 1 through 13. Let us listen to God's word. David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you, Ziba, at your service? He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He is at the house of Machir, son of Amiel and Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Kindness has a reputation for being a weak word. If it were on a poster, it'd have pictures of kittens or children sharing or a grandmother with cookies. But the things that change the world, they are forceful. Intensity, focus, aggression, brilliance. And then there's kindness. Watch some movies. You think the kind guy wins? So we treat kindness like this luxury, like remodeling your kitchen or watching golf. If you've got the money or if you have the time, it's great but only if you have the money and the time. If you remodel the kitchen instead of paying the bills, that might be a little reckless. Watching golf when you need to mow the lawn, that might be your Saturday, but it will come back to bite you. Being kind. It's good when you can afford it, but it is a luxury. When everything else is accounted for, when people are safe, when the career is cruising, it's good to update the kitchen. It's good to mow the lawn. It's good to be kind. But what use is kindness? When this story begins, David is looking for someone left alive in the house of Saul. Saul was the previous king of Israel, and he forgot that in Israel, God is always the one true king. So God had David remove Saul, and in the process of this battle that lasted for years, pretty much everyone in Saul's family has been killed. Now David is king, 
And he's looking for who is left alive in the house of Saul because his best friend had been Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan and David were the best of friends. And Jonathan died in this battle for the kingdom and it broke David's heart. So David asks, is there anyone left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? For the sake of my friend. Is there anyone left to whom I can be kind? This kingdom has been ripped apart by civil war. Neighbors fighting neighbors, families fighting their own. Now the dust has settled and David is looking for someone still alive in the house of Saul to whom David can show kindness. So they call the servant Ziba who served in Saul's house. And the servant thinks, he ponders, he runs through the family tree, and then he says, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. You'd expect him to say, there is still a son of Jonathan, and then give his name. But he doesn't. He doesn't. Because this young man is not defined by his name. He is not defined by what he has accomplished. You don't call him by his name or by his title. His identity simply is the one who is lame in both feet. That is more his name than his actual name. Lame in both feet. Useless. He can't even move, lame in both feet. But they dig around for a while, send some letters, and eventually they find his name, Mephibosheth. They send for him, they bring him in, and David sees him and yells, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replies. Don't be afraid, David says, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And so Mephibosheth bows down and says, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? What use is kindness? Have you ever known someone who has been so beaten down, so spoken about, so talked around, that their name gets swallowed up by some trait? Who is he? The one who is lame in both feet. The bankrupt one. The alcoholic one. The single one. Everything else that makes them unique, who they are, their heart, their spirit, it's all swallowed up by this one trait. They don't get to be a full human being anymore. They are all about the thing they did or the thing that happened to them or that one trait they have. Is she taking calculus this year? What? You mean the pretty one? I doubt it. Have you ever known someone where the rest of who they are has been swallowed up by one trait. They get so used to living in this little box that when someone treats them different, they don't even know how to respond. David says to Mephibosheth, I will be kind to you for the sake of your father. I will give you back the land that belongs to you and you will eat at the king's table. And Mephibosheth responds, What is your servant? 
that you should notice a dead dog like me. So used to being kicked, being beaten down, being spat on, that his immediate response to kindness is to ask, what's the catch? I'm just a dog. I'm useless. I'm not the feeble chef. I'm the one who is lame in both feet. Don't you know that? Everyone knows that. What use is kindness? If our goal is to conquer the world, to dominate or to win, I suppose not much. But if you ask Mephibosheth, I wonder what he'd say. I want to tell you this morning a true story about a kid named Colin Ryan. Colin had just started sixth grade, and he quickly realized that to survive, there were two options. One, you could be cool, or two, you could be invisible. Being cool felt pretty impossible, so he was doing pretty well at option two until third period of the first day of school. The teacher had them fill out those get-to-know-you questions like they always do, and Colin assumed the teacher would be reading them privately, so he answered the questions honestly. The teacher collected the sheets, shuffled them up, and redistributed them to the other students in the class. Everyone was going to choose their three favorite answers and read them out loud. And Colin's sheet ended up in the hands of one of the coolest but meanest kids in the class. So this kid chooses his three favorite questions. And the first one is, what is your favorite movie? All the other kids had chosen movies like Scream or Universal Soldier, and Colin is thinking, we're 11, how are you watching R-rated movies? So Colin's answer, being honest, was Beauty and the Beast. And the laugh erupted from the room, and he felt his cheeks begin to burn. The second question, where would you like to travel? Other kids said space or Australia or Paris, and Colin answered, wherever a book takes me. This time, the laughter had an explosive quality. Kids were even high-fiving. The last question, what do you like to do on weekends, and where everyone else said stuff like hanging out with friends or going to the mall, Colin's answer was performing with clowns for Christ. And at this point, those who weren't laughing were staring in disgust. Colin remembers feeling about an inch tall, staring at his binder, wondering if he could somehow disappear inside of it. He remembers wanting to stand up and yell, I get it. I'm going to quit the clowns. I'm going to watch R-rated movies. I will do whatever it takes to be invisible. But right then, something rather amazing happened in this sixth grade classroom. A voice from the back of the room yelled, guys, cut it out. And the room went silent. The voice belonged to Michelle Seaver. And Michelle Seaver was popular. She was cool. Michelle Seaver had sway. And the room was quiet. But Michelle wasn't done. She turned to the teacher and she said, Why are you letting this happen? What is the point of this if we're just going to make fun of each other? You see, to this day, as Colin tells this story, he does not remember the name of his teacher. 
He does not remember the name of any of the other kids in class. He doesn't even remember what class it was. But he remembers Michelle Seaver's first and last name. He remembers exactly who it was that stood up for him in class. The way Colin tells the story, that that day he realized there's more than two options. There's three. One, you can be cool and people will remember you for a little while. Two, you can be invisible and people won't remember you at all. Or three, you can be kind and people will remember you for their entire lives. What use is kindness? I guess we could ask Colin Ryan. I guess we could ask Mephibosheth. In our society, kindness has become a luxury. I saw this post online this week. No one ever talks about Jesus' miracle of being in his early 30s and still having 12 close friends. Because kindness is a luxury. Kindness is the glue that holds people together, but we will sacrifice it. We will sacrifice it for a promotion, to live somewhere more appealing, to get a better seat, to win, to be right. On our way from being children who couldn't even count the numbers of best friends that we had to being an adult, how many friends were lost because kindness became a luxury? And kids today know that. Kids aren't all kind. They know kill or be killed. There are only options to be cool or to be invisible. But what if we live the third way? What if we live the third way? The first time David asks, is there anyone left in the kingdom to whom I can be kind to show this kindness? He wants to do it for Jonathan's sake. Jonathan, who was kind to him. Like Michelle Seaver, he remembers. He'll never forget Jonathan. Because the kindness that Jonathan showed, it changed his life. For Jonathan's sake. This morning, I'm inviting you to be kind for the sake of whoever it was that was kind to you. In honor of what they did for you. For Jonathan, for Michelle, be kind. And the second time David asks, he says, Is there anyone still left alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for God's sake? For God's sake. Because God is kind. God is kind and we are his people. So if God's kindness is going to be in this world, if the world is going to see there is a third way, that it isn't weak, that kindness is strong, that kindness heals and that it sets free, if God's kindness is going to transform the world, then we must be like David. We must ask, who's here? Who's around? Who is in need that I can show kindness to for Michelle's sake, for Jonathan's sake, for God's sake? So my charge to you this morning is to go and find your Mephibosheth. Go and find your Mephibosheth. Let us pray.
Lord, you are good and you are kind to us. So we ask that you would teach us to be good and kind to others. Lord God, fill us with the spirit of kindness, knowing that it may not make us cool, it may not make us popular. Lord, it may not be the way to win or the way to a promotion. But we choose to be kind because you are kind and because kindness heals lives and sets people free. We pray this in your name. Amen.